Mrs. Peel, we are needed. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is the Avengers. Welcome to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And welcome back to our swinging 60s spy summer. All this summer, we'll break, be breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascots. It's time to get groovy. That's right. This summer, it's all coverage of shows my parents liked when they were kids. <laughs> and this time, we have one of their favorites, The Avengers. And I got to say, something feels different. It feels weird. What? What's what, what's weird? Uh, I feel lonely. We don't have any guest stars. Wow, that is weird. Like after a big run of like all these guest stars, yeah, it's just the two of us. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not enough for you right now, Zach. Well, how many episodes is that? Like six? Something like that. Yeah. But I think it's nice for, to, for us to just get into this. I feel like it's appropriate with since you know, Peel and Steed are just a two-man operation. We're back to being just the two of us. I call dibs on Steed. <laughs> Hey, that's fine. I like Mrs. Peel a lot better. All right. But it is nice as the world is starting to get back to normal that we're getting back to normal too. Yeah. So what's your experience with the show? Something I was thinking about is that there are two heroes that the Avengers are kind of like Kirk and Spock. And right. I know I talk about Star Trek every episode, but even if you've never seen Star Trek, you immediately recognize the images of Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. They're immediately recognizable. Just like these two, I think a lot of people are familiar with the guy in the bowler hat and the umbrella and the woman in the cat suit. Right. So I knew the characters, to answer your question. Okay. I knew their names. I knew they were secret agents. I knew what they looked like. And I knew that he says, this is pure or needed. And that's it. Okay. So um, that's about probably the same level of familiarity as I had. I did see the movie, which we will cover next time. But I hadn't actually seen any episodes of the show. I think the big thing that I knew is that uh, Mrs. Peel, played by, of course, the late, great Diana Rigg, plays, you know, Mrs. James Bond in the Majesty's Service. That's right, but we also know her from Game of Thrones. She's well, the Queen of Thorns. I mean, yeah, but I knew her as, you know, Tracy DiVincenzo long before I knew her as uh, Olena Tyrell. Isn't her role in Under Majesty's Secret Service, like, pretty nice and, like, friendly? Not like a fighter, if I recall. She knocks out the main henchman. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that more whenever we get to covering that. Mm -hmm. And actually, another late grade Bond girl was also was the predecessor to Emma Peel. Honor Blackman, also known as you know, who played Pussy Galore in Goldfinger, was Mrs. Peel's predecessor. I think her name was Kathy Gale. All right, so we have usual. We've covered two episodes chosen because they're highly rated on IMDb. Yeah, the first one we're covering is called The Town of No Return, and it is the first appearance of Emma Peel, so I figured that's a good one to start with. Really? I didn't realize it was her first appearance. Mm -hmm. So The Town of No Return aired on September 1st, 1966, and here's the IMDb summary. Steed and Emma visit a mysterious coastal town where several agents have vanished, where the locals are not at all, they seem. I think they uh, dropped a word somewhere yeah, in there. There's a word missing there. <laughs> so first of all, this one is in black and white. And I think, if I recall from what I read, they didn't start airing the episodes in color until the fifth season. Mm -hmm. Isn't this one some from season four? 
So it starts off on the beach uh, in, somewhere in England. There's a sailor out there. There's something out in the water. And it, it looks like a garment bag, basically, that's like floating towards upright in the water. Towards. So you know what this reminded me of was classic Doctor Who. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Prisoner. I thought it was going to be uh, Rover. Well, no, maybe if it were white and balloon-shaped, it would remind me of Rover. But this was like, he's sitting there minding his own business, and I, w- I thought it was, like, scary at first. The ship was, like, big, dark, imposing, and it just comes out of the water. I was like, what, is it going to be a Suntaran or some other Doctor Who villain? Some Cybermen, yeah. I mean, this is of that era. Because it looked scary, but the music was, like... I, it, I, it sounded like the Beach Boys. Yeah, I called it sexy jazz music in my notes. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. But yeah, so out of this contraption comes a man in a suit and a trilby hat. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for Little Baisley, which apparently is a town. And the sailor just like points him that way. When you're an old salt and you've been on the sea for a long time, nothing phases you, I guess. <laughs> apparently not. So next we go to someone who, well, we find out it's um, uh, John Steed. He's ringing the doorbell or for Emma Peel. And what's the deal with this buzzer on the door? It's like an eye. It's so <laughs> scary. I mean, the show is known for sort of surrealistic stuff. So I guess this is just, you know, a touch of that. But it comes like boom, like right in the beginning with no explanation. And it doesn't show up in the other episode or any of the other ones I watch later. Maybe someone can write it and explain it to us. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so she's in fencing attire. Actually, she's in her classic cat suit. With a fencing helmet on. Right, so it actually makes sense that she's wearing it while right, at home. Right, right. He's criticizing her form, and they have a duel. Yes. Here, she's using a foil, and he's using an epe, which are two complete... Like, if you're doing, a, if you're actually doing professional fencing, you never use two two different weapons when in a, in a tournament. So I was very... I was like... And they're doing what looked like saber fighting. It looks like when my brother and I would fight with lightsabers when we were a kid, they we would just smack them into each other I mean, while talking is, shit. I know, like I do have a background in fencing, and that is a little bit what saber fighting looks like. It is much more like slashing, whereas epee and foil are both more of a lunging weapon. And so I was like very confused. All right, why are they doing that with those weapons? But also uh, the part where like a Steed hits her on the butt with his sword. This is what I was going to say, is the flirting starts, like, immediately. And that's what made me surprised that this was her first appearance, because they act like they know each other forever. Yeah. He's telling her that he wants her to come to the beach, and it's like flirtation. It's like mission briefing disguised as flirtation. It's like takes the money penny bond thing to, like, a whole new level. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, she gets defeated when he wraps her up in curtains. Like, mm-hmm. oh, come on. She's like, that's a dirty trick or yeah. something like that. They go on their mission. They take the train down. Apparently, there's something odd happening in Little Baisley, which is the town that the guy that uh, rose up on the beach was heading towards. They've sent out an agent down there, but no word for him. And they sent three other agents, and they all kept disappearing. And as this is happening, yes. Steed is pulling, like, tea, an entire tea tray out of, like, a Mary Poppins-style bag. Yeah, this is great. But then I have a note here, because yeah. he's like, okay, Mrs. Peel, what do you want with your tea? Lemon or milk? And she's like, I would like a lemon, please. And he says, it'll have to be milk. <laughs> and then he, like, stares at her. And I was just really confused. Do you understand what they were talking about? Presumably because he had no lemons in that magical bag? It's just but then, it's just so strange. <laughs> oh, I guess, oh, yeah, it's like a joke. Yeah. It's like the one thing he doesn't yeah, have in the that's, bag. That's a joke, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. So this confused me. I was like, is this show supposed to be funny? Is yeah. it supposed to be like a comedy? It's it's not a parody, but it is funny. It's it's that British, you know, dry humor where they don't actually knowingly tell a joke, but it's just like, you know, they'll make a joke and have no one react to it. Okay. I think the jokes combined with the skit, like sort of scary yeah. imagery from before was confused me. But by the time the episodes got going, I sort of got into the swing of things. <laughs> no pun intended. But you know what this reminded me of, I realized, is that this show is like classic Doctor Who combined with the X-Files. Interesting. All right. Because they, they go on missions, and it's really surreal, and their relationship is very similar to Mulder and Scully. Huh, I can see and, that. Uh, and especially for this one, because it's just a normal town with a dark secret. Yeah. Another person who joins them in their car. I don't think I don't think we find out his name. I don't remember what his name is. His name is Smallwood. Smallwood. Right. Well, we know that only, that's his last name, and we only know that because he talks about his brother later. Yes, and he, but when he comes yeah. in, the music starts playing a tuba. <laughs> did you notice this? I did not. So I'm pretty sure this is the thing that they did in old uh, comedies where they had, like, a fat guy and they would play the tuba. That is something like, that happens, <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, that's a little sad. Yeah, I, I'm not just pointing this out of nowhere. Yeah, right? no, no, like, you're, you're completely right, did. yeah. We find out, like I mentioned earlier, he has a brother in Little Baisley whose name is Tom Smallwood, the blacksmith. Yeah, and he chose today to go look him up yeah. after however Who many knows? years. Like he's never visited him, apparently. They arrive at the station, and there's some creepy dude watching them at the station. I wasn't sure at first, but I realized, it. okay, that's the sailor that we saw earlier. Yep. They arrive at the pub, who's the name of the pub, which I love, the Inebriated Gremlin. <laughs> Yeah, that's like something out of a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. campaign. It's like RIF themed. There's like propellers mm-hmm. and gas masks yeah. and flight jackets I all mean, over the place. I mean, if we were not in a creepy little town, I would love to hang out at this bar. Sure. Also, well, apparently everybody else I does would love to hang full. out at a bar at all. <laughs> so they meet the bartender who's amazing. <laughs> this, He's the best character in this episode. His mustache is ridiculous. To quote Zero Punctuation, that mustache must have looked very dashing circa 1914, <laughs> but these days it makes it look like a German porn star. Wow. So it reminded me of that, but also, have you seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie starring I've Jim Carrey? I've seen the trailers. It, it reminded you of uh, Dr. Robotnik, played by one Jim Carrey. That's uh, right. At the end, he goes full Dr. Robotnik. I won't give away <laughs> what happens, but... Uh, so his, the bartender's name is Piggy Warren, if I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, Piggy Warren's the yes. name. Uh, and so, yeah, so this is a... Uh, RAF themed bar, and like you said, and there was an RAF the- a base in Little Baisley during the war. So we find out that Steed's cover is a property developer, and MLPO's cover is as, as a teacher. It just so happens that the headmistress and the school inspector are also at the bar. Right, so they almost blow their cover immediately. They were like, I wasn't informed we were getting a new yeah. teacher. And the school inspector is, of course, the guy who came out of the water. Oh, I don't think yeah. I realized yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. You know, all these British people look alike to me. <laughs> so then there's another... Is it the same guy who came out of the water who acts like Lurch from the Adams Family? Actually, that's not right. He's like the guy from Mano's Hands of Fate who's like, the master says you can't stay I've never here. actually seen Mano's Hands of Fate. Basically, he comes off as like super creepy and scary um, and for no reason. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe? Okay. Mr. Smallwood also leaves to go to try to find his brother. And then these two other guys with guns follow him out and of course piggy small or piggy warren says oh you know they're just off going badger hunting because that's a thing sure i guess <laughs> so steed and Pio get rooms at the pub and they're like super dusty and 
we see they're like, yeah, they're looking around their rooms. Apparently, Peel's room is not any better than Steed's. And then they hear something outside. Well, I thought it was like marching. Yeah, it sounded like marching, but we don't actually see it. So it's left vague on what it actually is. Yeah, their windows are like frosted and like boarded up. So they can't Mm -hmm. speak out. And they're like, oh, this is suspicious. Maybe we should go take a look around. So they go downstairs for dinner. Steed, you know, needs to mail something. And it just so happens that the school inspector is still there or is there again. We're not sure if he left in between. Actually, it's not even that he's there. He, like, as Steed says, I need to mail something, he pops right in and says, oh, I'm stopping past the post. Here, give it to me. And then pops back out. Oh, yeah, he's going to intercept that shit. So Tom's brother is stopping by a church and he hears singing. But there's no one there, and so he's very confused. And as he's doing this, the sailor is following. And then we see the school inspector, a.k.a. the guy who came out of the water, arrive at Little Baisley School, and we see that there's lots of footprints on the ground. And also, did you notice the drawings are, like, super creepy? The drawings They're on the wall. Oh, like on the blackboard? I don't think I noticed. They're, like, super creepy of, like, I think it was, like, a cow getting stabbed a bunch of times and stuff like that. See, I'm telling you, this show's (laughs) like a horror show in disguise. That's really yeah. good, though. Nice uh, eye for detail. Yeah. And so next we go to Tom's brother, who's getting chased by the sailor with the hounds. Yes. Steed and Peel can sort of hear all the dogs going off, and they're like, I didn't think you needed, you know, that many dogs for badger hunting. Yeah, it's one loud yeah. badger hunt. And then the dogs catch Mr. Smallwood. And we don't see what happens to him, but, you know, it's implied. What? Doesn't his dead body yeah, show up Yes, at this moment, it's implied. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, we don't see him getting mauled to death, is what I'm saying, because it's a 60s show. Like, okay, fine. We don't literally see yeah. him get killed. What I like about these old shows is they, like, leave all the death off screen. So, Steed is going to go sneak outside to see what's going on, but then he gets ca- caught by Piggy Warren, who's wearing, like, a sleeping cap and these, like, ridiculous yeah. pajamas that, like, look like he should be, you know, going off to Never Neverland. Or I was going to say he's right over Christmas There's the other, yeah, your other reference for, like, sleeping clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was amazing. He kind of talks him out mm-hmm. of leaving, yeah. if I recall. Gives him a nightcap to take back up to his room. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, Mrs. Peel goes to the school, but of course it's empty. And, but she sees a yeah. lot of adult-sized boots with dirt on them, like, near the door. And the headmistress and the school inspector are there. They're talking about something else. And she overhears part of it. They, like, notice her and they said, oh, the entire school is on holiday. But, of course, you know, that they're definitely up to something. Well, it's so funny because they're talking really loudly about these secret plans in an empty school. She uh-huh. shows up. They're like, oh, have this really lame cover story. And then when she leaves, someone says, oh, we nearly mishandled it. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. It's like, I have bad news for you, buddy. You did mishandle it. She's never gone that yeah. far. So Steed is on the beach, and we see Peel sort of calling for him, trying to find him on the beach. And in this scene, it's obvious green screen, or is it Probably rear projection? projection? At this point, a green screen would be too expensive for TV. Okay, is it because they're like standing, and behind them is a beach, and it doesn't look like they're on a really? beach at all? You I can always sort of tell, I feel. But yeah, so okay. there are all these footprints that are coming up from the beach, but none heading back or going into the water. Peel spots a shoe under a bunch of cans, and as they, like, you know, dig up the rest of it, they find that it's uh, Tom's brother's body. Or Mr. Small. Like, in my notes, I just, because we never really learned his name, I just have him down as Tom's brother. Yeah, Smallwood's body. Which is weird because in a town that disappears people on such a regular basis, you'd think they'd have a little bit better way of right, yeah. doing that. Well, maybe 
I don't know. I have no excuse for why they left his body in an easily findable place. It's because they needed him to <laughs> yeah. be found, I feel. So Steed and Pio go to the blacksmith to see if they can find Brother Tom. But when they do get there, it's not Tom. because, And we know this because, you know, uh, Smallwood had a picture of his brother that he was showing around to people. Instead, mm-hmm. it's the sailor from the very beginning who we never get his name either, do we? <laughs> Is this the part where we sort of have a creepy shot of Mrs. Peel's legs, where the camera like I follows them around? Remember. Do you don't remember this? I think it's like it's the bottom, and then the camera pans up. I just have a note <laughs> here that says that. But yeah, so they say that they're looking for Jimmy, and Tom says that oh, he left town, and that you know he took my car. Right? A likely story. And back at the pub, Steed and Peel know something's up, and they start to wonder, you know, where all the people have gone, and they realize, all right, small town like this. The one place that you could go actually check for records is the school, is the town parish. So they go over to the church to check the records. Or well, actually, Mrs. Peel goes over to the church to check the records. And she, well, but and she's mm-hmm. under the cover of you know I'm a school teacher. I'm here to learn more about the history of the town. The vicar says, "All right, go and check the uh, parish records in the vestry. There are a bunch of organ sounds. Why did I have that note? Organ sounds. <laughs> I don't know." Because she, like, hears the, an organ, and she's like, oh, it's organ practice. And then she, like, gets away from him and finds that it's that's just a, right. a that's... tape recorder. Uh, that's not till later. That's... Oh, really? Maybe it, like, kind yeah. of spaces it out a little bit. But yeah. we can talk about the time. Can we talk about Steed having fun while this is happening? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, so he's, like, checking out the airfield. He goes on a merry-go-round mm-hmm. in the school. Yeah. So you see a little bit of humanity from our secret agents. And then agents. he finds a door for the 33rd Squadron, which is the RAF squadron that was stationed over in Little Baisley. When he goes through the door, like it's like missing the roof and anything else. I'm like, how did he not see that from the outside? As he's there, he finds a headstone for Piggy Warren, killed in action. What? Oh my gosh. Are they ghosts? There's only one explanation. <laughs> he's a ghost. He's yeah, already dressed right. like one. Oh, and one thing, other thing that we... Peel is back in her cat suit and she's searching the school. As she's searching, someone stumbles in the classroom covered in mud and dirt. He says that he's the mm-hmm. school inspector, that he learned too much, right. so they they got rid of him. And he tells her to like take this photo off the wall. And he says, Below and then he dies, and she runs out of the school. I love it. It's a classic No, I know who the murderer is. <laughs> Death. It's so yeah. cliche now, but it's so funny to yeah. see it. So in vicar, old stuff. the vicar is having choir practice, and Peel shows up and shows him the picture. He says, she says that the headmistress who's in the picture, who has the, like the same name as the headmistress, whose ear is you know they're obviously not the same person. And the vicar says, "Oh, it must be an imposter." And as he's saying this, he like pulls out a gun and asks it at her, and she's like, "You won't fire mm. on me during choir practice," and opens the door to the where the the choir room. And there's just like a recorder there, and it's just or uh, it's playing, you know, the recording. So there's no choir. Which it's like, why even have choir practice if you're going to try to deceive people? Well, it's just to maintain really that, that illusion that you know there would be choir practice for the church every whatever day. Okay, and you just keep people out of the uh, the much. rectory yeah. or whatever you call it, so yeah. they don't discard the tape recorder. So, have you seen the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I have not. No. Oh, it okay. is. It's okay. Oh, okay. It's not like my favorite sci-fi movie ever, but of course it reminds me of this. But it doesn't have that same paranoia that like every person you meet could be uh-huh. a body snatched okay. person. And back right. at the pub, Piggy Warren is fixing a light fuse 
when Steve comes in and Piggy says that Peel is packed up and left. But of course, Steve, being the very perceptive fellow that he is, notices that her like monogrammed luggage is still there. Yeah, they just like left it out and it even has like her initials on it. So, yeah, the, Warren has, like, a clumsy lie yeah. here, is how I described it in my notes. So Steed confronts him about being killed in action in 1942 and, like, lights his mustache on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's his source of his power. If you can take it out, he'll be helpless. So, mm-hmm. Steed goes to the blacksmith's shop and finds a sailor. The sailor's holding his hot horseshoe at Steed like a weapon, which I like that Steed... So they have this fight. Steed blocks it with a bucket of water. Mm-hmm. They have a fight, and finally he, like, knocks him in the head with his hat, like, a bunch of times. And I was like, whoa, wait, what is this hat? <laughs> and then he, like, hits the hat, and it has, like, a steel brim. Like, odd job, basically. Yeah. Except it's not like just the job. brim, it's like the whole so, hat is, like, steel. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jay Garrick's helmet. It's used for, like, a whole bunch of different things, apparently. But I guess we should watch some other episodes and see if it being metal ever comes up again. It comes back in the second episode we watch. Yeah, I'll bring it I up. I must I'll have missed it, it so you're going to have to tell me when we get there. Uh, I wonder if you can throw it like a job, or if <laughs> maybe. maybe that's copyright. Uh, but yeah, so we find Peel tied up in a saddle. There's a bunch of horse puns, or like saddle puns. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they're like boom, 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 uh, boom. Yeah, I didn't write any of them down, And though. so they go over to the school, they find enough food to feed an army. And on the other side of one of the chalkboards, they find a map of the UK with a submarine off the coast near where Little Baisley is. <laughs> I love that. That was so funny. It's like a yeah. submarine drawing from Pictionary. It's also like from a cartoon. All right, here's the plan. Submarine, UK. That's Step it. one, That's the UK. plan. Step two, submarine. <laughs> Step three, question mark. Step five, profits. World domination. <laughs> Well, that was also something else I wondered, was who are these people that are doing this? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, presumably it's the other side, and they talk about the other side in the episode. Yeah. But they never actually say it. Yeah, so find out that they're offloading people in small groups and replacing people. And so they go to find uh, one of the bunker entrances. They go down, they crawl down some tunnels, and hear bootsteps above them, which sound very much like, you know, the marching they heard earlier. Mm-hmm. And they find themselves in this facility. <laughs> yeah. And they also see all, all these dummies set up. And also, they, like, they see them being stabbed through the other side with bayonets. But they get caught. And so there's a fight with the vicar, the headmistress, and the school inspector. Yeah, it's like all of the same cast of characters from before. <laughs> Deed gets trapped in a room with a bunch of troops. Peel beats up all the other people and throws them. Hey, can we talk about the fight? Yeah, sure. I was really impressed by this Really? Fight. So a lot of the old, like, so for example, the, the fight they lampoon in OSS 117 where he's fighting the wrestler. Oh, yeah. And it feels very choreographed, a lot of, like, flying around. Uh-huh. This fight felt like they were really trying to kill each other. I thought I it was pretty was intense. I was unimpressed by when the headmistress and Peel fight. Because, I like, what I know great. of <laughs> Peel is she's supposed to be this kick-ass agent. And she didn't look mm-hmm. like she was fighting. Very, like, they didn't look that they were well-trained or you know, fought very well. Yeah, she talks about doing kung fu stuff, but we didn't actually see it right then. I think the kung fu is in, they mentioned that in the next episode we watched, not in this one. Oh, okay. But yeah, so that's what I know of her. I I liked it. (laughs) Overall, the fight was okay, but I was like unimpressed. I was hoping for more from Peel at this point. Okay. I did like how she throws the vicar down a shaft. 
Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, so once she defeats everyone else, she opens a door, and Steed has beat up all the troops in the in that room. I hate that. <laughs> it's like a way better fight that we didn't get uh, to see. And so they close the door and jam it, and then they take a Vespa back to London. And that's the yeah. end. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a nice... Nothing is explained. No. I'm trying to remember if there was... Oh, no, it's in the other episode. They like start speaking a different accent once they're alone, but no. So we have no idea where these troops are from. Presumably, since this is the height of Cold War, Soviet Union or somewhere, or yeah. neo-Nazis or something. I don't know. I do think it was funny that they're like, okay, the plan is we're to conquer the entire country by replacing people one by one. <laughs> yeah. But I also liked at the end when they're on the moped is more rear projection. And they're like talking about how they're going to eat some steak. <laughs> it's like just another day at the office. I mean, and it pretty much was from these two. Mm-hmm. I guess also the idea that it's not explained because like, okay, they found the problem. So now like the army is going to go take yeah. care of it and we don't actually need to show it. Do you want to do favorite quotes from this episode now, or do you want to do that at the end? Uh, yeah, we can do it now. Would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So I've had three. Okay. One is from the school inspector once he gets out of the water and everything. He, and he's like, just steps onto the beach and says, looks like rain. <laughs> and it's like, just like, <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, another is from Steed when he's about to sneak around, and he says, I can move like a cat in carpet slippers. And then, of course, he gets caught. Yeah, but then Mrs. Peel says later something about a pussy, yeah. right? And the, my last one from this one is uh, from the vicar who says, I've got bats in my belfry, you know? Quite literally. Bats. Can't shift them. Yeah, he may be an evil enemy agent, but he uh, likes his jokes. So I have a bunch of little yeah. ones, things like double entendres, like when someone says, you cause quite a constellation. <laughs> I don't even remember the context. But my favorite quote by far is from the best character, oh. Piggy Warren or the ghost of Piggy Warren, <laughs> who says, how about a quiet little snifter before the old brain box smashes the pillow? Uh, people don't talk like that anymore. find a way to say that in like everyday conversation. Next time we have a happy hour, right before you leave, you, you can just sit, you know, suggest that for another drink. By the way, something else I wanted to mention, speaking of yeah. happy hours, was like, I want to stay in an inn. Mm. I guess an Airbnb is yeah. kind of like an inn, but like it looks really fun. And you get to eat there, you get to sleep there. It's not a hotel. Well, maybe really not fun. an Airbnb, but like a traditional bread and breakfast, probably. No, yeah, you're right. Not yeah. Airbnb, <laughs> but a normal, normal B&B, which still mm-hmm. exists. Those yeah. are fine. Do we, do we rate this or do you want to wait until we the end wait, of the episode? We can wait until the end. And we, yeah, so, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move on to our second episode. Who's who with three exclamation points. So you know it's yes. serious. So Who's Who aired May 19th, 1967. The summary is, mad scientist Dr. Krelmer is working on a machine that allows two people to swap minds, and enemy agents Basil and Lola intend to use it with the Avengers to get them to destroy their network. Basil exchanges personalities with Steed, but Mrs. Peel is suspicious that the man who looks like her partner is acting out of character and has to persuade the real Steed what is going on. That IMDb summary had a lot of run-on sentences. (laughs) Did you say what episode of season five this was? It is season five, episode sixteen. Ah, okay, this is one of the later Emma. M- so Emma Peel was only on the show for two seasons, so like season four and five, and she leaves at the beginning of season six. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, don't remember exactly how many seasons like uh, Honor Blackman was on, but before her, Steed had like a male partner. I don't remember how many seasons he had. I guess it's again a little bit like Doctor Who, where you have the main character, and then you have Pretty their assistant. Much, yeah. Even though, like, I feel like. 
Steed's partner was always the more popular character. Yeah, she doesn't seem like no, his assistant. I, it seems that's why like I say partner, not assistant. A lot better, yeah. a lot of stuff. So let's get into the episode. So, like I said previously, this one is in color, and I was expecting like a you know Tinkerbell with her little wand. Ding. Now in Technicolor yeah. or whatever. Also, there's a and the opening yeah, is different. Yeah, a completely different title sequence. Like I like this peel, like shoots the cork off a champagne bottle. We actually see the sword umbrella like uh, in use, which we didn't see at all last episode. Mm-mm. And we open with some guy dressed like Steed with a red flower in his lapel. Now, Steed usually has, if I recall, a red carnation, or this guy had a rose. I didn't even notice he had a flower at all. <laughs> Did he have one last episode? So. It's part of his usual attire. Okay. So mm-hmm. And so this guy is looking for Steed, and then gets shot by this man and woman who pop out of like boxes in this warehouse. Find out their names are Lola and Basil. And they leave a rose in a pistol with the body and that body is like on top of all these boxes with these really extended legs i didn't get it and also this whole scene takes place in the warehouse from where's the <laughs> yeah, lost exactly yes so p p, p <laughs> i just combined that that'd be their couple name well, i don't think that's a great couple name steed and, oh, so p <laughs> mrs peel is at home and steed gets her and says famous line you know mrs peel were needed yeah, which I guess it wasn't yeah. in the last season. Or maybe they had to work up to it. So they go and they find the body. Mm-hmm. So they find a note in his pocket as well. And we go to mm-hmm. Lola and Basil, who are watching films of P- Peel and Steed. Oh, yeah, and they're both, like, having right, a crush yeah. on their targets. <laughs> they're like, oh, baby, baby. And they're like, how, how are we sure oh, that yeah. we can lure them here? Was it, well, we'll know because we can, we'll put up this sign for stilt makers outside. And... <laughs> okay, this is like something out of Batman. Okay, you find your body wearing stilts. Obviously, you go to the stilt maker. First I mean, place you look. It even says it on the side of the building. Yeah, so at, like as soon as they do this, they cut to Mrs. Peel, who like finds a label for the stilts. And then also in here somewhere, we learn that Basil suffers oh, yes. from migraines, or as they say, yes. migraines. <laughs> Basil, Lola, Lola, and the doctor who is showing them all these films are waiting for Steed. And he unveils this machine that has, like, these two metal hoods, which... All right, I already had an idea where, where this was going. <laughs> yeah. And then Steve shows up in his Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. Uh, I believe it's, like, a Rolls Royce, yeah. Also very similar to Bessie from Classic As Doctor well Who. as... Uh, well, it only made one appearance in the films, but before the Aston Martin, James Bond is known to have uh, Rolls Royce. Yeah, I can't imagine why that one didn't catch on. It only on. appeared in For Much With Love and uh, I believe Never Say Never Again. <laughs> yeah, it looked like that kind of car. Sorry, I don't think that's very cool for a secret agent. Hey, when books were made <laughs> in the 50s, that was a cool car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, it was a classic car, rather. It's how we would view the Aston Martin now. Yeah, it's like yeah, cool because it's retro. I, I get it. Anyway, so, yeah, we find out about the migraines, <laughs> which makes me laugh every time <laughs> but and so the doctor gives him the, these you know bottle of the pills to, to help with the migraines mm-hmm. and i'm gonna keep saying that and so lola acts as the oh, yeah. receptionist at the uh at the stilt makers and and he's as he's looking around the stilts and they're all up on racks so one of these stilts comes through and hits him in the head that was like extreme <laughs> violence for a 1960s show you could, like, kill somebody doing that. So, the doc puts him in the machine, 
and we find that apparently he's done many experiments during the war with this thing. And also he has a German... Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a Nazi scientist. He says, quote, unlimited ooh, guinea ooh, pigs. Ooh. Jeez, that's yeah, dark yeah. for a comedy show. Uh, they strap both of them down, and we find out that they're going to swap minds. Yep. On the machine, I notice, is they have Rodkins. Which, for those of you who watch Chernobyl, that's how ah, they measure radiation in know. Europe, apparently. But yeah, so like, there's all these switches, and like apparently you just turn switch all of them on. And so the doctor <laughs> has Basil start counting. As he starts counting, you see it. I like the effect of this. So you start with Basil, and he's counting. The camera pans up from Basil's helmet, up through basically where the connection would be, and then back down to into Steed's helmet. And then he starts talking. And for the purpose mm-hmm. of, of this show, because it's going to get confusing, and I would, do not want to keep saying Basil in Steed's body and Steed in Basil's body and vice versa, I would just keep calling to them as their personalities rather than as their body. It's like if you have um, anesthesia and they tell you mm-hmm. to count if you're like in surgery. Oh, yeah, that's ex- I didn't even it's think like about that, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, Sorry, it's a good point. Basil, and I, for the first time I will say this, Basil in Steed's body goes to Peel's apartment and mm-hmm. Pio says that weird, very weird because the gun was apparently registered to her somehow. Basil mm-hmm. says that the w- warehouse was empty except for this machine, and they should go check it out. So Pio says, "All right, well, you know, if you want to fix yourself, or fix yourself a drink, you know where it is." And Basil, being not Steve, doesn't. doesn't know. So he's like, "No, that's okay." And she's like, "Curious, okay." <laughs> so like, how much does Steve usually drink? Well, I don't know. If you're yeah, they're like out about together, to go on a mission. It, it also, if yeah. I came to your house and you were like, want a beer? And I said, sure. And you're like, okay, it's in the fridge. And I'm like, actually, I'm good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's yeah, weird, weird, right? But what's also yeah. weird, which I liked later, exactly. is when he calls her Emma. Out. So, and Mrs. Peel gets a little confused, curious about that, but then she moves on. Because come on, who would expect <laughs> that? I guess yeah. they see a lot of weird no, stuff, not but not that weird. It also reminds me of, again, Star Trek, where Wesley is like, that's not Data, that's lore, because Data <laughs> never uses contractions. Yeah. So, uh, back at the warehouse, we see that Steed is handcuffed to this pillar, yeah. and apparently Lola and Basil have trained for years for this, and as she's talking, Lola has like an accent of some sort, which I was like, Russian accent, maybe? Sure. Presumably they're from the other side. I think it's interesting that the Avengers, yeah. at least in the episodes that we've watched, don't have like a... Uh, a specter or the, the bird one or a hydra or <laughs> some other villain yeah, yeah. No, the, i've noticed that at least from the episodes i've seen yeah there's there's not a main antagonist oh, yeah so basil and peel arrive and lola tries to get mrs peel with the same stilt trick to like hit her in the head but steed wakes up and warns her they still get her because basil hits peel with the umbrella and knocks her out and they put Peel and Lola in the machine. And Lola starts talking and then finishes, ca- or sorry, starts counting rather, and finishes in Mrs. Peel's body. Haha. <laughs> so again, they did this on the X Files. Have you seen that episode of the X Files? I have not, no. So there's an episode where Mulder switches bodies with some guy. It's not both of them, it's just the one. But there's a great part where the guy holds up his ID in the mirror and he goes, FBI. Like, Aren't I Mr. Super Cool? Being a comic book fan, I love classic body swap stories. Like, my favorite, I think, is in Justice League, where the Flash and Lex Luthor swap bodies, and then Lex and Flash's body is like, great, now I can tell everyone who this is. And he takes off Flash's mask. It's like, I have no idea who this is. It's funny, because we get to see characters we exactly. don't know acting out of character. 
especially in this one when all the shippers are happy that the bodies of Mrs. Peel yeah. and Steed are macking on each other. I used to have a bit about how body switch movies are great as long as you don't think about them too much. But then people told me that I can't say it. So I'm not right. going to repeat it here. It's gross. Just think about it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, so this is where we get the important announcement if you've just tuned in. And they, they, mm-hmm. and it goes on longer than I think it was going to because it's like, <laughs> just to be clear, these are the villains and they show Mrs. Peel and Steed. And these are our heroes. And they show Lola, mm-hmm. Lola and uh, Basil. And I'm like... To be clear, good, bad, good, bad. Like, it goes on for a bit, but I'm, like, still very into it, and I'm really amused by it. I loved it, and then at the end, he's like, don't worry, it'll all be sorted by the end of the episode, yeah. I hope. Exactly. Like, Great I, stuff. I'm enjoying the show. Uh, so Mrs. Mm-hmm. Peel doesn't believe that Steed is in Basil's body. She thinks it's some kind of trick. And Lola and Basil visit HQ. Now, you said you'd watch a few more episodes of this. Did you watch before or, af- or after this episode? Uh, a little bit of both. Did you see... But but I was, like, sort of doing other stuff at the same time, so I don't remember stuff about... I was going to say, have, did you see any of these, like, characters, like the Major or anything else in these episodes? No, I if didn't. We, if we got a little... If we end up watching more of it, we maybe we can check back with our viewers, but or listeners, rather. Because I mean, I, I'm wondering, like, if mm-hmm. the Major is a recurring character or if he's only there for, like, you know, just this episode and then, then never again, or what is it? Man from UNCLE, where you it's have those characters who, like, were supposed to be integral parts and then apparently never seen again. Well, Waverly is, like, a main character, right? Yeah, but I meant, like, the secretary and then the other guy. But, mm. yeah, so they go to visit HQ and they say that they came to see Major the Major about Hooper. Hooper is the guy who was found dead with the stilts. Right. And they claim that it's an attack on the entire network. Also, I think we kind of skipped over that each person in the network has a different flower assigned to them. And so that's their, like their code name. Yeah, I'm not sure which is lamer. Flower code names or candy bar code names? Where was the candy bars from? Hudson Hawk. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I tried <laughs> to bleach that from my memory. I would say the candy bars because at least the flowers seem classier. Yeah, they seem less like product placement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So also in this scene is a giant UK flag on the wall. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. So because they think it, they claim it's an attack on the entire network, they say that they want to check the entire network. Of course, you know, the major's like, no, that'd be a breach of security. He's like, well, all we want is their telephone numbers. Lola's been chewing. The, this is one of the ways to tell it's Lola and not Mrs. PL. She's chewing all this gum and she sticks her gum under the table. Ugh, kids used to do that at school all oh, the time. So gross, so gross. Disgusting. Uh, so the major calls over Tulip and says, "Here, okay, bring in the file." And as this is, you know, going on, uh, after they leave, the major like reaches for some reason reaches his hand under the table and finds the gum. And is like, "That's weird." Yeah, it's just like that Emma comment from before: is people are slowly putting the pieces together, but not fast enough. No. So Steed and Peel are trying to break out. Mrs. Peel kicks the beam and breaks it using uh, her martial arts skills yeah they try to get uh, out of the handcuffs with a file and so they do this little flip to get face to face which i thought was really cool yeah it's still the kind of thing they've done it before yeah definitely definitely uh, which I, I was surprised though that there wasn't this sort of you know oh i can't do this sort of thing i can in my usual body thing yeah this body is out of shape yeah <laughs> but then again if basil and lola are like enemy agents maybe they'll be more in shape than you know just if they were in some schlub. 
No, they should have been part of the plan. They're like, okay, eat a bunch of hamburgers and then swap <laughs> bodies. They won't be able to do anything. So Basil starts calling all the agents, and he said, he tells them, you know, I want to see you all right away at my apartment, and like presumably one by one. Mm, that's right. But apparently, else apparently the doc took his machine with him, so they can't use it to get back, you know, switch back yet. Uh, so, and they go to realize, all right, one place they might be is Mrs. Pio's apartment. So they go over there to find her. And they get into uh, Steed's car, and apparently it's a very finicky car, so you like only people who know how to start it can start it. No, that's great. Does. That's like classic spy stuff. It's like I'm the only one who can start this car. I think they do it in Fast and Furious too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they do. So at uh, I think this is at Steed's place. Basil and Lola are dancing to a record mm-hmm. when Agent Daffodil comes in, and they shoot him while the record is on to cover the noise. Mm-hmm. And as this is going on, they spot Steed and Peel pulling up, which begs the question about how far from Steed, you know, do Steed and Peel live from each other? If they're going to Peel's apartment, and they see her them pulling up when they're at Steed's apartment, they're very clearly codependent. So <laughs> I would expect they live right down the hall from each other. Yeah. So once they see them, Basil and Lola call the major, and he sends some men to go after them. Yeah. Maybe that's not what we thought because Steed and Peel actually use a secret button to get into Steed's flat. So they're going to go to Steed's flat, even though they said they're going to Lola. To, not Lola. Oh, God, this is going to get confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they changed their minds. Yeah, maybe, I'm, I'm, I guess, I'm yeah. too worried about it. Okay. <laughs> Basil and Lola confront Steed and Peel, and they're about to, you know, attack each other when Tulip enters with men and they capture Steed and Peel. Yes. And this is where we get our second important announcement, which is pretty much the same as the first one, if I recall. Yeah, but it's worth Still reiterating. Funny, yeah. The Major interrogates Steed and Peel. They try to convince them that they are them by, you know, giving details about him, which he just like, oh, wow, you really did your homework, huh? <laughs> yeah, isn't that kind of a problem with being a spy? It's like, tell me something only Mrs. Peel would know. Well, enemy agents could find that out, <laughs> theoretically. Basil and Lola kill another agent, Agent Poppy. Mm-hmm. And as they're doing this, they, like, pick all of the flowers from the lapels and put it into a vase. So, yeah, they like, love their see... symbolism. Also, during the scene with the, uh, where they're trying to convince the boss it's them, yeah. there's a part where someone says someone's an old Etonian. <laughs> yes. Which I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah. The Major and Tulip, like, like consult with each other. And, yeah, Steed knows that they don't believe him, so... He goes over and grabs a gun from the desk. He shows some very bad muzzle awareness because it's like right ne- right in like Mrs. Peel's head. Well, this amazed me that they left enemy agents in a room with a gun. Right? But, well, but presumably only a, an agent of the network would know that the gun was there and how to open the, the case. Uh, that's what I'm presuming. There's like a combination lock or yeah, something? Or, or like a secret button that they have to press or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They go, they knock out the major... And then the Major calls Basil, and Basil realizes that they need a new headquarters, that they can't stay at Steed's flat anymore. So they go over to Pio's flat. Oh, they'll never think that right? the there. We'll go to the other flat. <laughs> so Steed and Pio go back to Steed's flat. Basil and Lola have been having a party. Steed's upset that they've been drinking all this liquor and smoking his cigars. And then they find all the flowers and the bodies. Yeah, this was, like, some scary stuff. Yeah, right? Like, there was a lot of, like, well, I mean, first there's the hint that 
they've killed a lot of them because the vase is very full of flowers. And then you mm-hmm. see the bodies that are just piled up. Yeah, I thought they would have left it with just the vase and the implication. Yeah. Not actually show the serial killer style murder room. So Peel has an idea of where they are. So she calls her flat and Lola answers. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, and, she ha- and then so Mrs. Steel, Mrs. Peel hangs up and, you know, so they obviously know where they are now. Meanwhile, the boss issues a kill on site order. Mm-hmm. So it's like use of lethal force and apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason that he authorizes it is because Lola and Basil are considering staying in Steed and Peel's bodies. And so if they kill steed and peel they can't get back to their old bodies yeah they're gonna be permanent residences which makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. on the one hand because their mission would be really good but are you not attached to your old body apparently not because these guys are very fit and also rich Mm -hmm. tulip goes into steed's flat and finds all the bodies and once he sees he tells the major and says to call in every available man what we really need to do is we need to find the doctor and they also realize that if Basil and Lola want to stay in Steed and Pio's bodies, they will want to find the Doctor as well, and they're going to want to kill him, because without the machine, they can never be switched back. And this is when Steed starts having a migraine. Another one, yeah. <laughs> well, his first. Oh, so it's the body that causes Apparently, it? Apparently, yeah, yeah. Because we also heard earlier that this is part of why uh, Basil realizes he might want to stay in this body, because he hasn't had a migraine this whole time mm. since they switched. That's true, that's true. But yes, yeah, so Steed is having the migraine and he finds the medicine in, his, in the jacket pocket and realizes that it has the doctor's address on it. Which is like, again, it's like Batman. It's like this old factory. It's like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Unless he's like, they're undercover. Yeah, could be. And he has like a legit identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry like that. But yeah, so Basil, like we said, realizes that he hasn't had a migraine since they swapped. And so he's like, where are the pills? Oh, they're in my... I mean, Steed's jacket. Mm. But he also remembers that the address was on the bottle. So Steed and Peel arrive at the doc's office and they see the machine. As this is going on, Lola drives up. And Mrs. Peel mm-hmm. knocks out Lola and they put her in the machines. And as this is going on, Steed you know, goes back into the outer office to try to find some instructions or something. But the doctor gets the drop on him and knocks him out. And this part is pretty clever. Yeah, Peel pretends that she's Lola and tells the doctor that she's been switched back already and you've got to switch me back now. And he totally buys uh-huh. it. And so you do the county thing again. Like kind of code phrase. Yeah, well. Whatever. But so Peel, once she's back in her own body, punches the doc, puts him in a closet. But of course, Steed is cautious. He's like, how do I know you're really in there? And like tries to test her combat skills. But she counters it mm. easily and then whispers something in his ear to prove that it's her. Oh, something sexy, I think. <laughs> Peel goes over to Basil and says that the doc prevented her from destroying the machine because Basil still thinks it's still Lola. And as this is going on, Tulip enters and then Steed knocks out Tulip. Right. And Basil and Peel finally enter the office, the doctor's office. Basil takes the gun from Peel and Peel calls Basil Steed, which catches his attention. Like, this is the mistake because... If, it, if Mrs. Peel was really Lola, she'd call Basil by his she real name. Basil, honey, yeah. buddy. Yeah. And so he's like, what's your real name? What's my real name? And of course, yeah, realize that it's actually Peel. She doesn't know his real name? No, she doesn't. We, 
we don't know that they're Basil or they don't know that they're Basil and Lola. They just know that they're yeah. like not them. Bad guys. Yeah. But he grabs the gun from her. Mm. But Peel actually had no bullets in the gun, so it's useless. And they have a fight, which is where we actually get some nice martial arts from Mrs. Peel. I like that. Mm. Yeah. And they knock out Basil and put him in the machine. Right. And because Mrs. Peel was there, she start apparently being in the machine allows you to know how to work the machine. It doesn't really make any sense. I thought it would have been, if they're going to have her use yeah. the machine, it would be cool if the doctor had, like, died. Because ah. it's like, oh, no, the doctor's dead. He's the only one who could use it. How are they going to swap him back? Yeah. But well. she works the machine, then do the counting, and then Steve's back is up in his own body as the major and all the troops arrive. Yay. And all is resolved. And back in Mrs. Peel's flat, the surviving agents have all sent Mrs. Peel flowers. So her flat <laughs> is, like, full of bouquets of their own, like, varietals. Right. And also, it just happens to be Mrs. Peel's birthday. So Mr. Steed takes her on vacation in France, and the episode ends. Yay. Yet another death-defying <laughs> experience for our heroes. All right. You want to go with favorite quotes? Sure, I'll do my first favorite quote this time, which is, a man who would bite off the end of a cigar is capable of anything. <laughs> that's one of mine. That, that's a good one. That's some wisdom to live your life around. All right, so I've got, uh, Steed has poise, a touch of the aristocrat. You slouch like a peasant. Also, I'm head of intelligence. Do you take me for a perfect idiot? No one's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's lots of good pow-pow-pow zingers. Also, my favorite was... When uh, Steed comes back to his flat and he sees that they've drank all the stuff, he's like, the last of my 47. And not even chilled. <laughs> oh, who drinks champagne at room temperature? Come on. Yeah, he likes the finer things in life. He's like, you've been a classier drinker than James yeah, Bond, yeah, I guess. No, no, he's like even more like British, like British aristocrat. Is It's him turned up to 11, basically. All right, so we've done our favorite quotes. I we are going a little out of yeah. order. I have some fact for fiction. All right, give it to us. I know I said I was on vacation, but I really liked this show, so I decided to pull some. I had some questions. So first is there's a part where Emma says, "I left my pot of road at uh -huh. home," and I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> apparently, it's a plant that has various health effects, including help with diarrhea, ulcers, tick bites bone infections, and disinfects wounds. Hmm. I think that last one is probably what she was referring to. Right. And then the second thing is I've been reading a book recently that was given to me by the Spy Museum, and there's a part where they reference a submarine infiltration of oh. spies. I was like, yeah, I knew this happened in real life. It was called Operation Pastorius. Uh -huh. The Germans in World War II in 1942 recruited eight Germans, including two American citizens, to carry out attacks on infrastructure. So June 12, 1942, a submarine arrives at Amagasset, New York, on Long Island, carrying four people. Mm -hmm. The team came ashore wearing German Navy uniforms, so if they were captured, they would be POWs rather than spies. They also brought a bunch of equipment and buried them uh, along with uniforms. Then they put on civilian clothing to infiltrate. But when one of them was discovered by an unarmed Coast Guardsman, uh, that German offered the Coast Guardsman a bribe. The Coast Guardsman feigned cooperation, but then reported to the authorities. An armed patrol came back, got all the equipment, but 
couldn't find the infiltrators. So a massive manhunt began. So in other words, they were discovered almost as soon as they arrived. And the other four member team arrived in a beach south of Jacksonville, Florida on June 16th. They were wearing bathing suits and had German Navy hats. When they arrived, they tossed the hats, put on civilian clothes, and then went to a bunch of Midwestern cities. The leader of the team, or I don't know if he was a leader, but he's one of them named Dash, D-A-S-C-H, met with another one, said that only one of us will walk out that door and the other will fly out this window <laughs> if they wow. talked. And Dash told his buddy he had no intention of going through with the mission. He hated Nazism and he planned to defect to the United States wow. immediately. Here he's like, you're either with me or you can go out that window, basically. So he turns them in via a phone call. The FBI doesn't believe him. So he goes to Washington, D.C. and walks into FBI wow. headquarters. All right. And gains the attention of the assistant director by showing him $84,000 in cash, which is what the Germans gave them to carry out their mission. None of the other agents knew they were betrayed. All were arrested. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover made no mention of that Dash had turned himself in and claimed sole credit for cracking the spy <laughs> ring. Everyone but Dash and the guy that he spoke to were wow. executed. Huh. That is all my all spy right. fact versus fiction. That is Operation Pistorius, for those who want to all take right. a look. The sources were I've got a little bit. So I was curious if Little Baisley by the Sea was a real place. It is not. Mm -hmm. the, but they actually use a village called Whiten, which is in the English county of Norfolk, to film that. And it's actually been mm -hmm. used in a few other things, if I recall. Yeah. It looked very nice. Uh, as for, I was also curious about the rose that uh, is mentioned in the second episode, Crimson Glory. So apparently it is a real rose, and it's the uh, climbing version of the rose bread in Germany. It's also the standard by which all other red roses are judged. And it won, I'm trying to remember what now Steed said, but like what it won, what prize it won. But like on the website I'm looking at, it says the shrub rose won the National Rose Society Gold Medal in 1936. And Whoa. the James Alexander Gamble Rose Fragrance Medal in 1961. I didn't realize that Rose had Apparently, like a bunch of medals. And uh, lastly, I was curious, given that, you know, the Avengers... There's two. There's the British Avengers, like the show, and of course there's the comics Avengers. Which came first? I, and I wasn't actually sure because I knew that they came around around the 60s. So, the Avengers comic number one came out in September of 1963, whereas the show, the Avengers, premiered in 1961. So this, the British Avengers, came first. So I guess they didn't run into copyright issues? No, apparently not. Um, also... This is why, in the UK, the very first Avengers movie, like the Joss Whedon-directed movie, is known as Avengers Assemble. It's really called that? Yes. Oh, I Even didn't know that. though, of course, not until Endgame do we actually hear the phrase Avengers Assemble. Right. Were you able to figure out why in the TV show they're called the Avengers? No. <laughs> I looked on Wikipedia for like how the name came about, uh -huh. and they didn't have it. Mm -mm. There have been a series of comics about, you know, steed and peel but of course they can't call it the avengers so they've called it steed and peel oh my goodness and tying back to batman 66 i'm not sure if you know that there's been a series of batman 66 comics yes so they've also had ones where they crossed over with various 60s properties including the man from uncle and steed and peel i didn't know steed and peel i knew wonder woman 77 70, 77 yeah 
but yeah, so they had a crossover with Steed and Peel, which was very entertaining. I read, I loved it. Yeah, uh, I, cool. I'm still waiting for the Batman '66 and like James Bond crossover, which I've been like bugging both DC and uh, who was it? IDW, I think, has the license for or no. No, uh, Dynamite Comics has a license for it. I've been like tweeting at all the people who do the Batman 66 comics saying, all right, where's our next crossover? <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would be like. It would, if, if you did, actually, if you did like early Connery or like Roger like Roger Moore, it would be great. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Sean Connery teaming up with Batman. It would be hilarious. <laughs> well, that's why I want to see it. Yeah. Start a petition. Go to petitions.com or whatever. <laughs> Change.org petition. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, enough goofing around. It's time for our ratings. All right. On a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being terrible, 10 being fantastic, how would you rate these two episodes of The Avengers? All right, so I will give the first episode a solid 7. I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was a good introduction for Mrs. Peel, well, at least for me to Mrs. Peel, even though... You know, so that you don't really tell, you can't really tell that that's her first episode. As for the second episode, I'm actually going to give that an eight because I really liked it. And although what I realized is, even though like it, the acting is really good, because we only got a sort of hint of what the characters are like in the first episode, and by this point they're much more established. But what we're getting of those characters, it's not even from those actual actors. It's from people who are playing those characters. So the fact that I was able to get all of that from these other two completely different actors was really good. And even though the, like, concept is completely bonkers, I loved it. So, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. first episode of seven, second episode of eight. All right. I have, like, reverse opinions. Okay. First episode, I would give an 8.5. Wow. I thought it was awesome. All right. I loved it. It was paced really well. I liked that there was a mystery. I liked the fighting. It worked for me. Okay. I liked all the supporting characters, Smallwood, Piggy Warren. I liked that there was a mystery. I just thought it was really good, and it made me want to go and watch more episodes, okay. which I did. On the other hand, the second episode, I would say more is like a 5 out of 10. Oh, and the reason wow. for that is because body swap stories don't do anything for me. Uh, I don't find them interesting. Ooh. It's a million times. I want to see Emma Peel and Steve be Emma Peel and Steve, not other people pretending to be all them. Right, all right. And because we know what happens right away, we're just waiting for them to get back to the machine and swap back. Okay. So it's like a whole episode just waiting for that to happen. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we'll see how, next next time how this is adapted into uh, a modern, well, modern-ish. It was like 1999, maybe? Into a movie. Um, I've seen it, and have you seen it? No. Don't get your hopes up. I heard it was bad. <laughs> but it does feature the late great Sean Connery as the villain. Okay. I won't give too much more information, but just, you know, don't be too, don't get your hopes up. Well, bad movies can often make for entertaining this podcasts. This is true. This is very so true. we will see you then. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. I'm Zach. And we are The Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal 
personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Five Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.